0: We're back. We're talking with the great Chris Chappell and his colleague, Shelley Zhang, uh, both very, very important creative forces in the fight against the Chinese Communist Party. Um, Their platform is China Uncensored, and I commend it to all of you. It's a wonderful, wonderful resource. Um, Chris was talking a little bit about uh, the Biden administration's um, shortcomings, shall we say, Uh, some good, yes. But uh, Shelley, talk a little bit about uh, what seems to be operating in terms of their appreciation of the magnitude of the danger we're facing from China.
1: Well, I think one of the things that's happening with the Biden administration is that it's not quite clear whether they understand at a fundamental level, the threat of the Chinese Communist Party. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think uh, that's one of the things that set the trump administration apart a little bit like you saw the state department under mike pompeo was very clear about naming the chinese communist party specifically as a threat um, talking about how this is not about china or chinese people it's about the chinese communist party and i think the biden administration while they've done good things on taiwan supporting taiwan um, continuing some of the policies to sanction chinese officials who have committed human rights violations it's not as clear to me, whether they understand what the Chinese Communist Party is actually doing, and like Chris mentioned earlier, how they are in, they consider themselves at war with us.
0: I hope you're right that this is just a misunderstanding, a misapprehension of the magnitude of the danger. I really do feel as though, uh, from the research we've done, that um, there's something else going on here, and that is that many, uh, not just the president, but many of his senior subordinates have been compromised by the Chinese Communist Party, and that may uh, be affecting their, um, well, at least their understanding perhaps, but certainly their policies. Um, Let me ask you about how serious some of these uh, threats now increasingly it would appear uh, in the kinetic space uh, are becoming. Um, You've done some really good reporting on What the Chinese have been up to in the South China Sea, Um, I think more recently they've made inroads now with the Solomon Islands. Of course, there are threats um, that they're frequently um, describing towards Taiwan. Um, How serious do you think it is that we may be moving from unrestricted economic warfare, political warfare, information operations, and the like, into uh, the old-fashioned warfighting domain of uh, military power.
2: This really is an existential threat to the United States. China has been rapidly mili- uh, modernizing its military, and as you can see in the South China Sea, uh, China claims basically the entire South China Sea, where five trillion dollars of shipping goes through. There's, you know, untapped oil, and natural gas reserves, and you know, China has been building artificial islands in this body of water, claiming it as territory. The United States told uh, the Chinese Communist Party under the Obama administration to stop building these islands. They They, did not.
1: They promised to stop militarizing those islands. Yeah.
2: Mm -hmm. And now recently, US Admiral has said that at least three of those islands are now fully militarized. And then any plane flying over the region could be within Chinese missile
0: uh, anti anti aircraft missiles. That is, I guess, and and to the extent that these can become uh, platforms from which to project power beyond sort of a defensive perimeter, uh, is that also a feature of what they've been putting on these uh, these bastions they've created?
2: Absolutely, China's goal is to control at first the Asia Pacific uh, with the South China Sea, and if it successfully invades Taiwan it will have a pretty ironclad grip on the region. And then that gives China the ability to
1: essentially yeah, Project sanction, power. Project into, power. Into the rest of the Pacific.
2: As uh, well as, I think, be able to sanction the United States. Like imagine America not being able to get medicine. Most of our medicine is made in China.
1: I mean, one of the things that you mentioned, the Solomon Islands, there's a lot of concern right now over China having this secret security pact with the Solomon Islands that might get them a military base in the Solomon Islands. And it's one of those things that seems easy to dismiss because you can say, oh, well, you know, they, they, they're not gonna do that, like, that's too extreme. But as we can see with what's happened in the South China Sea, they will take decades, if necessary, to slowly build up their strength in an area. And if they get a military base in the South Pacific, um, that's a way to cut off Australia from the US, it is a way to cut off shipping. It is a way to cut off trade. Um, If it came down to kinetic warfare, they could isolate Australia. So this is pretty dangerous. And it's something that when you talk about it, it seems extreme maybe to people who aren't really paying attention to how quickly this can happen and what they're doing, but it's important to pay attention to.
0: to. To round that point out, it seems as though we're increasingly having to confront this reality far beyond the western pacific uh you've done a show about africa as a platform from which the chinese uh, increasingly will be able to project power talk about the belt and road initiative of which this is uh, an example and how pervasive uh that sort of colonial um, infrastructure build out is uh, and it's uh perhaps application for power projection more generally
2: well essentially we're in another cold war and we see the world beginning to divide into two camps one's tied to liberal democracies and others tied to authoritarian powers china is leading it russia is a part of it as well Um, but china is essentially using the belt and road promising infrastructure investment in developing countries particularly in africa Uh, as a way to essentially buy them off to get them on their side in things like the the united nations Uh,
1: they're able to exploit a lot of countries that have not much development but they have a lot of natural resources minerals um, timber agriculture that china might need Um, so they go into the congo and yeah, and they go into the Congo and use child labor to mine for cobalt, right? To make uh, the
2: solar panels that we all use.
1: Uh, you know, they will go, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think the thing is that, like, we think of, in the West, we think of imperialism or nationalism as things that only the West can do in a way. Like, we don't pay attention to what the Chinese Chinese Communist Party is doing. Uh, people in Africa have called it a new kind of colonialism, um, and it is something... You know, we we were just talking about the Solomon Islands. This is exactly what they've done in the Solomon Islands, which is, you know, exploit their natural resources, bring in Chinese companies, um, bring in Chinese labor, so even the local economy can't benefit from what they're doing. And, uh, you know, we see in Africa places like Djibouti, uh, where they now have their first military base. It's an official military base outside of China and recently-
0: Adjacent to one of ours, as a matter of fact, interestingly enough. And, and one of the things that's really stunning to me about this, of course, is that uh, we're uh, witnessing them doing this, financing much of it with, well, payday loans, I guess one might say, that uh, further uh, wind up enslaving the people that make these uh, uh, strategic areas and, uh, and resources available to them. You know?
1: I mean, you just have to look at what happened with Sri Lanka with their, um, they could not pay back the loans and they essentially had to give up a port um, to a 99 year lease to the Chinese Communist Party.
2: Which could be
0: another military base down the line for China. Almost certainly will be. You know, i I've, I've been told that an entire state of South Africa has been essentially turned over to them for 99 years on pretty much this basis. Uh, one last area that I'd like to just explore with you quickly, because you've done some wonderful reporting on it too is the Chinese use of uh, this COVID-19 pandemic to further uh, create, you know, advantages for them, disadvantages for the rest of the world, including of course, horrific loss of life. We're hearing at the moment about Shanghai, an immense city being locked down. Others across China are the same, but how would you net out uh, based on your research and and reporting, um, whether this has been tremendously advantageous to China, as one might expect a biological warfare attack by them to be.
2: Well, the coronavirus definitely gave us proof of just how much power the Chinese Communist Party has over global medical supplies. They covered up the virus to hoard medical supplies. They nationalized U.S. companies in China, like 3M. basically preventing them from exporting uh, PPEs to the United
0: States. Um, Chris, I am so sorry. We are hard out of time. I asked you a 10-minute question and 30 seconds to answer it. We're going to ask you to come back and talk with us further about all of this, if you would. We so value what you do at China Uncensored. I look forward to a further visit very soon. Next up, we're going to be speaking with Sally Hudiyar, a Uyghur national patriot who is warning about what's being done to his people by the Chinese Communist Party.